You're listening to the Broadway Belters Podcast, where we sit down with some of Broadway's brightest stars to learn more about their journey behind the scenes. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Broadway Belters Podcast. I am your host, Nick Ferreo, and I'm so happy to welcome our guest today, Adante Carter also known as Aaron Samuels from the first national tour of Mean Girls. Welcome, Adante. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Thanks for having me. Back. Thank you for coming back. I'm going to be transparent here. We are in, uh, <laughs> this is a recovery from a technical difficulty. We have had this conversation before. And Adante <laughs> was nice enough to come back and chat with me again because we loved of, the first episode. Of so. course. I understand <laughs> technology is crazy sometimes. So. <laughs> so, But a lot of things have changed since our first conversation. So I'm excited to ask you some new things. So before we dive into all things Mean Girls, can you just tell our listeners where you grew up and how you found your way into theater? Great. Yeah. So I um, am originally from Rapid City, South Dakota, which is, I mean, I'm sure those of you listening are probably like, where is that? Well, it's <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, to be honest, but it's, uh, if you think of Mount Rushmore, that's where I'm from. So look wow. that up. Um, I'm about 20 minutes away from it. Cute little that's town awesome. in the middle of South Dakota. Yeah. It's in the forest. It's really beautiful. Um, I've actually been spending most of my time there during the pandemic, or I had been. I'm actually in New York City right now, but I was in South Dakota primarily during the craziness and the pandemonium going on. Um, and that's where I was born and raised. I uh, started theater at a young age. There were actually really good ample opportunities out there for me to perform in a, you know, an educational setting for me. So uh, doing community theater high school, um, also, uh, you know, local children's theater groups, troops. I, I try to get involved with everything I could at that age just because I wanted the opportunity. And I think I knew that this is something I wanted to pursue at a young age. Mm, cool. That's awesome. Um, and then did you end up going to college for musical theater? Is that where your path led? I did. I did. I actually got a real degree in musical theater, right? It's a real thing. You can get degrees in it, people. Um, right? Whoa. Um, I went to AMDA in Los Angeles. Uh, they have a New York campus and an LA campus. The LA campus had the Bachelors of Fine Arts program, and that's what I wanted to do because I wanted still that four-year training, not necessarily the two-year, which AMDA is known for, the conservatory style, but I wanted the full, full, full four-year program. And I, cause I like that time to simmer and cook. So cool. that's why I chose that. Yeah. For our, maybe our younger listeners who are maybe in that chapter mm -hmm. of their life right now where they're looking at schools or they're just starting their musical theater, you know, college program. What were some, uh, you know, maybe one or two of like the biggest lessons you learned in that chapter of your life that you wish you had known going into it? Yeah, I feel that there's going to be lots of opportunity, usually in a college or conservatory setting. And I feel like you should go for everything possible. If something pops up, you should try it just because you never know. You might find a new passion in it. You might end up liking it so much. You might find that this isn't for you. I don't want to go down that route. You know, I think really honing in and starting to explore your interests as an artist is only going to make you a better artist. So I find that I wish that all the random opportunities that pop up for extracurriculars in college, I would have, you know, delved into them a little bit more and explored them a little more. 
Also, um, if you want to be in musical theater, I would say go to your dance classes, like take the dance classes. Don't be like, I don't need it. No, you're going to need it. Even though if you're not dancing in the show, I, I didn't think I was going to dance in Mean Girls, but I'm dancing in that you're show. Dancing. So yeah. it's it's yeah, I, I am dancing Casey Nicola choreography. Um, so I'm glad that I paid some attention in those classes and I find that if you are serious about a career in musical theater any awareness spatial awareness of your body is going to benefit you so dance is a good way to hone in on that you had done a lot of regional theater before Mean Girls and then this Mean mm-hmm. Girls is kind of like your biggest gig to date so what was the audition mm-hmm. process like for that show oh wow it, it's crazy to think that like so much time has passed because of the pandemic, but I really don't even count 2020 as a year. We're just going to throw that year away, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually not the age I am. I'm actually a year younger. <laughs> I'm not going to say my age, but for everyone, you can adopt that mentality and that mindset and go with that. But, we are repeating um, birthdays. We are repeating birthdays. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you can triple repeat them depending on how you feel. <laughs> um I actually auditioned for that show in 2017 for uh, the out-of-town tryout in Washington, D.C. That was actually also one of my very first big auditions where I was like, whoa, like Tina Fey, Casey Nicola, all this stuff. And I was going in for that. And I I did, you know, I I did relatively well in terms of figuring out the material and callbacks and doing all that stuff. It was such a new experience for me. And they ended up going with someone else. Kyle's amazing. And I'm so happy they went with him. But I, so it's 2017. I was in for that original. And then about two years later, I, 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 was circled back to from my agents. They sent me an email being like, interest in going in for Mean Girls again, national tour question mark. So I was like, yeah. Sure. Uh, crazy side note, I literally saw Mean Girls that Sunday night. Oh. And I, Monday morning as, or Monday afternoon is when I got that email from my agent. So it was, <laughs> and that was my first time seeing the show. It was super weird, super. Oh, wow. Yeah. How that worked out. The universe is just like, it knows things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So I went in for that. Uh, I had my initial appointment like the following week. It went well. Um, they asked me to come back for a callback. It went well. Casey Nicola, Tina Fey, all the, all the big people were there, which was crazy. Um, it went pretty well, I thought. I was asked to come back again for like a final callback and that went well. And I waited around for like a month and they were like, just kidding, there's another callback. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so <gosh>. I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very much like, okay, this is drawn on, but like I, I was, I was excited, truly. I actually had booked a trip to go to California for like a music festival, uh, the week of my like final callback. I mean, I had booked it before and then I found out like, oh, you have a final call about on these exact dates. And I was like, oh, "Oh, man, what do I do? (laughs) Side note in like theater, if you ever like book an important trip or there's an important event going up, just like realize that you're probably that's going to be the week you get called in to do something. (laughs) That's just how it's always how it (laughs) always works out. You need the cancellation insurance. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to book something, maybe maybe book a trip and then you'll book a job because <laughs> that's hey, what that's yeah. what, right, that's that's, how, that's been my experience so far so that's um, hilarious <laughs> yeah i i so yeah i had that final callback and i waited all weekend and finally that 
Monday, I heard back and I found out that I had booked Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls. Sorry, that was a really long story, but it's a long long process process for people wondering what it's like. Wow. Were you a fan of the movie growing up? And when you learned that the musical, I mean, there was like rumors forever, I feel like that the musical was happening, it was being developed. Mm -hmm. But did you did you see yourself in that immediately? I mean, I grew up watching that movie. It's funny. It came out like when I was I think like in elementary school mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what high school is going to be like. Yeah. Whoa. It was like, it was like the Bible for me, like how to prepare myself for high school. No, high school is nothing like mean nothing girls like at mean all. Girls. <laughs> um, but it had played a big part. Like I had that DVD. My DVD doesn't even have a case anymore. The case is missing somewhere in the world. So if you find a mean girls, the movie case without a DVD in it, it might be mine. Um, <laughs> That DVD has scratches all over it because I watched I'm it so sure. many times. <laughs> yeah, I loved. I mean, even saying DVD is like, whoa. People, my <laughs> listeners would be like, what's a DVD? Remember oh, that? No, no, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it, it's before streaming and before Blu-ray. And before Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and before Blu-ray. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I, I saw myself and like imagining like what high school is going to be like when I got to high school. It wasn't like that at, at all. And then I heard that the musical was in development and I was like, whoa. Oh, that's crazy. Like, I love that movie. I wonder how it's going to work on stage. It actually would work really well on stage, I think, because it's such a universal story. Like, that movie, honestly, and that, besides, like, the technology things, it really hasn't aged. Yeah. It's just one of those stories that you can just tell over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Carrie, right? Which is one of my other yes. favorite musicals. It's the universal story. It can just be told yeah. over and over and over again. So yeah, I saw myself in it in that capacity. I didn't see myself as Aaron Samuels. I was just like, I'd be happy being a high schooler. Yeah. <laughs> high schoolers, I, I would like to be young again. So um that's how I saw myself, but I was just brought in for Aaron a few times and I thought, oh, okay. I don't really need to be Aaron. I just am Aaron. I can just be myself as Aaron. And touching on what you just said, how the story is timeless, why do you think that Mean Girls matters now to kids? Like you said, so much has changed with technology um, Mm -hmm. and the story is timeless, but I feel like it does kind of apply differently to kids nowadays. What do you think about that? I think at its core, Mean Girls, everyone is searching for their most authentic selves in the show. And ironically, the people that are not necessarily their most authentic selves are the plastics because plastic isn't real, right? Right. Um, Or if you want to look at it another way, Regina George is authentically herself. She's just a terrible person. She's (laughs) unapologetic about it. So maybe out of everyone, Regina George is the realest person in the show, right? This is true. This is true. Which is ironic, right? And uh, I, I find that that story, like being thrown into any new situation and how we survive and adapt, you mean that matches the theme of being in, thrown into the wilds in Africa, parallel to Katie's journey, parallel to anything, going in for the first day of school, first day of work, first day of rehearsal. There's just like, I think the only thing you really need to do is really present your true authentic self for survival and Some people aren't going to like it. Some people are going to like it. But I feel like the more you are yourself, the more people are going to be drawn to that. And the more that you will, quote unquote, be liked or just embraced in a true, authentic way. So I feel like that's the story. That's what I get from it. So the Mean Girls team made some rewrites for the tour and then applied them to the Broadway show after that. But how did that inform your rehearsal process? Was um, the full creative team there a lot? Did you kind of feel like you were rehearsing a new show that was completely yours? 
Yeah, yeah. It it we walked in for that first day of rehearsal and there was like 50 million people in the room it felt like. <laughs> but it it was everyone was there. Tina, Jeff, uh, Nell, uh Casey Hushing was there, who was Casey's assistant, who was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Just everyone was there, pro- producers. And we all got into a big circle and we all went around and introduced ourselves. And like Tina Fey was there, like, hi, I'm Tina Fey. And everyone was like dead on the floor. Like, it's just <laughs> crazy. She, she's so funny. She made a great joke. And everyone, you know, instantly that just set the tone for it. And as rehearsals went on, they were, everyone was there coming in, giving us rewrites tailoring stuff personally to us, which was super cool. Um, I I found that they just wanted, they had the chance to kind of like fix, not necessarily fix, but change things that they wanted to change before the show was set on Broadway. So it's like a second do-over, a second set of eyes on their baby. When we were honored and I'm so thankful to be a part of that because I, in a sense, creating new work or I'd say re-looking at work is one of my favorite things to do. That's awesome. And then... You know, you're rehearsing on 42nd Street, so Mean Girls is just about 10 blocks up. Was that, mm-hmm. was the Broadway cast interacting with you guys during that process? Or were you able to go for them and kind of, you know, get advice from them? How was your interaction with the current Broadway company or the former Broadway company? Oh, they were they were super supportive. I, I found, you know, people were reaching out on social media that were in the cast. I, um, we actually had a mixer, I think the ending of our first week which was terrifying to me because I have like social anxiety and like opening nights and just stuff like that just stresses me out. I'm like, I'm just going to sit in my corner over here. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I I would say I'm just super shy, but we had a mixer and I got to meet Kyle officially and Erica and just, you know, mostly everyone that was involved in the Broadway production at the time. It was mostly OBC at the time, which was cool. Um, And then before we headed off to Buffalo for our tech week, we did a run through for them. And that was, I was like, I told myself, I was like, if I can get through this, I can get through any show. Yeah, forget like the I can do, <laughs> forget the audiences. I can do anything. And that, I mean, also when Tina Fey is there, you're also like, Oh my gosh. Cause she's come up to the show a few times and you're like, Oh, this is kind of nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, cause this is her baby, right? This is Tina yeah. Fey's baby. This is her first movie that she wrote. Yeah. And I, and one of her first, that I think she starred in also. Aaron Samuels gets a little bit more depth in the musical version of Mean Girls, I think. Did finding your version of Aaron come easy? What were, you know, what was your rehearsal process like either in the studio and then when you went home? Like how did you how did you find your Aaron? I, you know, I I saw it. Um I, I think after I found out I booked it, I went to it. Actually, no. I saw it and then I found out I had that audition. And then I went back one more time during callbacks to like really just follow the track a little bit more and see what Kyle was doing in terms of how he's handling the material. Okay. Just to give me more insight on it. But I, I definitely didn't want to recreate what Kyle was doing because we're just two completely different human beings. And I didn't want to recreate what Jonathan Bennett was doing from the movie, which I had seen so many times and that was in my head. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to find a sense of my casual everyday attitude personality, just infusing that more into the role. Like, like they say at acting school, don't act, be, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to be Aaron, yeah, except... Yeah. My name is Adante, except my name is Aaron today in a way mm-hmm. and okay. find traits of that that work for me, my quirks, my isms. 
and just infuse that into the role. Right. And then in terms of prep, uh, I think one of the hardest was like learning the choreography in the beginning. It was like, oh, just getting over that hurdle because you're in with our ensemble and our cast. Everyone is just so amazing. And yeah. being put up with those people, you're like, wow, I, I feel like I have to, you know, really rise to the occasion. So I definitely wanted to work as hard as I could so I could get those dances down and, you know, feel like, where do I belong? Right. Essentially, yeah. I can yeah. belong in the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always like to ask touring actors, when you're traveling the country and you're seeing all these different places and driving through small towns and you're in big cities the next day, what is that like to you on just like a personal level? What do you enjoy most about traveling as an actor or what have you learned about about people while you were on the road? Maybe. Yeah, I, I find that I me, mean, I'm always really pretty personal and I feel like you have to learn to separate that it's okay to say no for things outside of work, essentially, that involve other company members, cast members, right? You're, you're always on the, you're always, you're work, you're sharing a space with each other for the majority of the time, right? When you're on stage, you see them in their hotels, all that stuff. So it's okay to branch off and do your own thing. And like FOMO is a real thing, but also just having that solitude and finding yourself is all, always a great I mean, the way I like to tour on their own, don't get me wrong, I like to hang out with people, but I find that you start to cherish your alone time and you get, when you explore the city mm -hmm. and go do events, like go to the museum or walk through this random park. Um, for me, it's food, 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 food. That's my favorite <laughs> thing about touring is eating. Yeah. Um, it's also very hard on tour because you, you're literally in a new city next week and you're like, Oh, I don't know where to go for food. Is the food going to be good? Oh, I'm kind of hungry after the show, but everything is closed. You know, there's lots of hurdles that you have to like figure out. And yeah. once you have adjusted and figured out, okay, then you're in the next city. <laughs> That's why I love right. those, those like two plus week sit downs, those sit -down. five, six weeks sit downs are oh, beautiful. Let's go back. The, the, you know, this is some time back now, but. When the shutdown happened, where were you guys? How did that play out? Um, when did you start first hearing rumblings? Just walk us through that uh, whirlwind. We had first started hearing about coronavirus. Well, I'd say like end of January, maybe like Boston, February, right. which was like Durham. And hearing little things on the news like, whoa, what's going on? This is crazy. There's something crazy going on over overseas, right? Yeah. And we know we didn't really think that it was going to affect us. Like, oh, there's this crazy like cold or flu going around, as has happened in the past, where you hear about something happening not in your country and you're like, oh, well, that's that's really unfortunate. I hope, you know, but then it started to make its way here. And there was like the first case was announced, second case, 30th case, all this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it really started to hit when we were in Florida. We were in Florida. I think we were in Tampa for a week or two. I can't remember. We were in Orlando and we started to see that like the house sizes were just, you know, not usually we're used to a full sold out house for mean girls. Yeah. Um, and they started just getting a little smaller, okay. like a little, little trickling of laughs. We're like, huh, weird. I wonder, you know, I wonder, oh, Hamilton's in town. That's why, right? <laughs> um, justifying it any way possible. Um, right. <laughs> and then we got to Fort Lauderdale. We're supposed to be there for two weeks and house sizes were just getting smaller and we're hearing more about coronaviruses now. Um, 
entered New York City, an usher in the Broadway community has tested positive. The flight attend or the flight TSA officer in Fort Lauderdale has tested positive. And it was like, whoa, this is everywhere. So we had to start stop stage dooring, you know, limiting interactions outside of the cast. Uh, we were in Fort Lauderdale in the middle of spring break. Like that was on the news. Spring break yes. was in full swing and people were being crazy with it. Um, so we were in the thick of it. And then we found out, you know, the second week of Fort Lauderdale that, okay, Broadway might shut down for a little bit, the Broadway company, but we should be fine because we're on the road. It's not as bad as it is in New York. Um, then it started getting really out of control. We had a company meeting to be like saying just to be really careful. And then the following company meeting, we're like, okay, we're going to go on a two-week break, let things die down and stuff. And here we are two weeks later. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was wow. coronavirus in a nutshell from my recollection. Wow. So what has this time, I mean, it's been well over a year now. Um, there's been a lot of time to reflect and learn more about ourselves, I think. What is something that you've learned about yourself that you are, want to take back into the world and want to take back into the, you know, the work environment after this, once we, everything we do return. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's, that's a really good question. I find that I have tried to explore um, a lot more interests outside of performing something that grounds me because truly, you know, performing growing up was my hobby and was my interest. And then when you turn it into your career, it's like, Oh, okay, that's great. What do else do I like to do that I don't yes. want to make money from in a way? So finding things that spark joy, I guess, for me and ground me and just make me realize that like, we're just a small percentage of all the people on this earth, really in the grand scheme of things, we're super small. And finding what sparks joy for me individually mm -hmm. has helped me. And I want to just carry that into my work realizing that at the end of the day it's just it's just acting right it's just yeah. we're we're just actors we're just okay. human beings we're it's we we tend to make things so high stakes in our industry i feel and it's you yes. know I, there are there is we are doing great beautiful work we are you know maybe helping audiences through something you know we connect emotionally we help people on their emotional journeys but we are just a small part and there are so many other greater purposes and things in life. And we need to realize that the world doesn't revolve around theater and Broadway and our careers. And the shutdown has obviously been devastating to so many people in this community, but it also like it has given us moments to reflect on ourselves. It's given us a moment to have discussions and conversations about the desperate need for change in our industry and for systematic change and racial equity. Are there any specific changes that you hope to see when you go back to work? Yeah, I just want to like start off with like, hey, Black Lives Matter. Um, it, I think that movement was really crucial and eye opening. You know, you know, history is repeating itself. But like, uh, who was it that said it very well? Racism is not new. It's just being exposed. It's just being, being filmed, brought to light yeah. on cameras. It's being being filmed. Yeah. Um, and I find that we need to start really adapting that change into more inclusive inclusivity and diversity into our industry. And that's only going to make a better industry because we need to reflect a society that we live in. 
I'm looking forward to we're actually as mean girls. I know that we're we're having equity, inclusion, and diversity training. Okay. Uh, we are committed to um, you know working as a company to just make a better overall working environment for everyone from all walks of life. And I find and I hope that all theater companies are doing that and um, producers and casting directors and directors and audience members, you know, they need to start just really, I think, taking a step back and looking at the greater picture and looking at the people that live in this country and how many stories they have to tell. And we need to have more of those stories on stage. Absolutely. That's great. And that's great to hear that Mm -hmm. Mean Girls and hopefully some other shows are starting to implement those things like many other normal work environments where I feel like the art industry has been behind in that sense, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, we're, our industry sell, it's, it's capital, you know, it's it's capitalism and Mm -hmm. they've tried to figure out what sells, right? what sells, what's going to get the most ticket sales. And I think they've existed in a place that has been comfortable for them. And we need to start to go to a place of uncomfortability and not worry about, does this make money? But more so, does this reach a wider audience or a more diverse audience or, you know, a a more inclusive Broadway theater? Yeah. I mean, like Broadway, I'm just theater in general, like because Broadway at its core is only it's only theater in New York City. Right. One one of the many places in the world. You can be as soul fulfilled doing a regional show as you are doing a Broadway show. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter the the quality. It just matters the performance and uh, it's going to reach someone. Right. That's the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last question for you. What would you like to say to anyone listening to this podcast right now that hopes to be in your shoes one day? What advice would you give them or just what would you like to pass along? I would say I I feel like no dream is too big, really. Like you, if you want something, work your butt off for it and go for it. Like truly. And you'll find along the way that Success is only measured. You can only make, measure success personally and not from comparison. So uh, you'll find successes along the way, little things towards your goal that will make you so happy and make you so proud of yourself. And I think just keep pushing and dreaming and being your most authentic self. And cause no one's going to do you better than you like period. That's right. Like that's, that's right. That, that is your journey is your journey. Don't compare yourself to anyone else and go to dance class. <laughs> Absolutely. Go to dance class yeah. and comparison yeah. is the thief of joy. Just be yourself. I love that. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adante, for taking time out of your day again to chat with me. And it was, you know, as always, so much fun to get to learn more about you. Yes. Thank you for having me, for asking me back again, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Broadway Belters listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at BUA Belters Podcast. And if you're feeling extra supportive, go ahead and share today's episode with a friend. The Broadway Belters Podcast was produced today by me, Nick Ferreo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>